Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Awesome. Well, we're together now. Yep, we'll start a recording now. Okay, what would you like to talk about? Well, I was going to talk about um, video games because this is a video game podcast. Well, okay, yeah. I know nothing about video games. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. Uh, my question's around, because um, I've been watching the news, they're saying that video games cause mental health issues. What's your take okay. on that? I think that's complete crap. My son is, uh, he's 26 now. When he was 13, he left school because he found it really hard. He had complete dyslexia. And he actually learned how to read on a video game. Okay. Yeah, I think it was called uh, Skyrim. Skyrim? Skyrim. Yeah. Yeah, and it taught him how to read. So I have to say I think that's bollocks. But uh, what's your take on it? My take on it is the same. But I suppose where they're coming from is, like, if you spend too much time on it, like if you spend, like, hours every day and you're not doing anything else, then it could be a problem maybe. I don't know. Well, I think in this day and age, Quite frankly, I have no clue about uh, the younger generation. I mean, I'm 58. I have no clue about the world that they live in. My world is completely different because I wasn't brought up with um, technology. I didn't see my first computer until about 1991. And uh, when I started using computers, they had black screens with green writing on them. So um, my reality really is very, very different from young people today. I think um, it's very easy to say that uh, video games cause mental illness, but video games have the same effect on minds as drugs and alcohol because of the dopamine being released. And uh, that's not our children's fault. That is our fault. That's our fault for um, letting them have access to this when their minds haven't fully developed yet. That's my take on it. Okay. Because other people are saying they're trying to link video games with mass shootings. Like if you play Call of Duty, therefore you're more likely to cause a mass shooting. What's, What's your take on that? Well, there's all sorts of things because, I mean, I'm a great reader and uh, Columbine shootings in the States way, way Mm. back in the day, uh, one of the shooters had a copy of Rage, which is a book by Stephen King. Now, are you telling me that Stephen King causes mental illnesses? I think that's just wrong. I think Mm. that everybody grows up um, a sort of, amalgam of uh, their genetic structure and their environment and uh, what they're exposed to at a very young age. And I believe that um, there are different uh, triggers in everybody and they can be triggered by anything. You know, just like some people are afraid of heights and some people get really uh, triggered, they can't handle confrontation and things like that, it all depends on the person. It depends on who they are, you know, their upbringing, their reactions to the wider world. I don't, I can't, I don't see how anybody could prove that 
um, a video game would cause that sort of reaction. I mean, it might cause that sort of reaction in some people, you know, yeah. because they're predisposed towards it. But I can't say that letting your child watch video games. I mean, video games are no more violent than the TV or movies or any or books. So you yeah. tell me that we have to get rid of TV, videos, books, e everything else, because that can be a trigger to people as well. That's my rant. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I love it. <laughs> um, my next question would be: if you if you had to do things differently around yeah. raising your kid or whatever, would you allow them to play video games or not allow them to play video games? I would definitely allow them to play video games, but there would be limits because it's, like I said, it's uh, dopamine, serotonin, all those sorts of things. They get the same rush from a video game that you get from a, uh, a drug. And the best, but you also get the same amount of, um, you know, dopamine release from sugar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what, I think what happens, why, why kids get very angry is because what they're doing is addictive. Mm. And, um, and the thing is, in the world that we live in now, technology, it's okay, I'll put it this way. It's like having to be on a diet because you're overweight, but you still have to eat. You know, to stay alive as a human being, you have to eat. And then you're told that you can only eat so much, but you still have to take in that addictive substance. What I think should, you know, I think that uh, parents shouldn't look at the whole thing as um, a negative experience for their kids because it's not, because they enjoy yeah. it, you know. But I think there should be a balance. I, I think that we shouldn't let big corporations like Apple and or Sony, all those people, um, and you know, uh, make us buy all this stuff to keep our kids happy. Um, I mean, it's no use yeah. saying, oh, we can go back to the olden days where all the kids went outside to play. Because where I live in Ortucky, kids are outside playing all the time. You know? Yeah. I'd say those kids don't have access to expensive video equipment. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I, what I believe is there has to be a balance. Like I've got a grand, my grandson is 13 and he has basically, but his parents think he's addicted to the, to the internet. And I don't think he's addicted to the internet. I think that they use the internet when he, you know, to watch movies and all that sort of jazz um, as a, you know, to look after him as a yep. way of distracting him so his mum could get her housework done. And now, you know, he's 13 years old and he's used to that. He's used to that input. So you can't say, well, you're not, have, you're not doing it anymore because you're addicted because they introduced it into his life. If they didn't have a computer, if they didn't have a screen, if they didn't have, give him a PS4, if they didn't give him all those things, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can't create the problem and then blame the person who's addicted. Yeah, I see what you mean. 
I think his parents need to be re-educated. I think there should be some sort of education about um, balancing children and the actual effect that um, stimulus like drugs, alcohol, um, sugar, uh, video games, movies, all this. There should be more education about that, about what effect it actually has on a young growing mind. That's what I think, because if you're going to try and just let your kid play video games until you're like 13, 14, 15, and then say you're not doing it anymore, that's just crazy. Because they become used to it. They become accustomed to that way of life. Absolutely. It's, it actually becomes a part of their life. And, I mean, what am I to say about stuff like that? I mean, I've got grown kids. My son's 36, and, you know, he has Netflix, he has Hulu, he has all these different, um, you know, sites. He has hundreds and hundreds of games. He has a PS, whatever the hell the latest one is. And um, yeah, well, he's got that. He's got all the other ones. Like, what's the other one? Um, Xbox or the latest one. He's got all those things and he's a grown man. But that doesn't no. stop him from going out and playing golf and things like that. Yeah. It's just well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, these things become embedded as a part of your life. And I don't understand it. Apart from the fact that I'm a writer and I spend a hell of a long lot of time on the internet, you know, so maybe I'm addicted to the internet. Who knows? Um, the yeah. next the next question would be because over in Japan they're having a real problem with um, video games. So they, what what's your what's your take on making laws around video games? And um, I think they call them hikikomoi. Which is they stay in their house and they don't yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't, they don't socialize yeah i've I've seen that, and um what alternative is there? if a person has no choices um, you know and it's a safe space, the thing it's the way that you look at something right because yeah. you look, you look at somebody's life from the outside. How can you tell their experience? How do you know what their experience is? I know that in Japan they've actually brought in these things where they hire girls to go and talk to these boys and become their sisters because most of the boys who do this are actually only children. I know mm. that. That's a phenomenon as well. But if you're in a culture like Japan where um, parent, like their school hours are horrendous, they spend twice as long at school as we do. Um, they are hothoused with the amount of knowledge that is pumped into their brains, and uh, they are very controlled. You know, their culture is very controlling around behaviour for young people and behaviour for everyone, actually. And yeah. so if you have an environment like that, of course they're going to create these things. They're going to create kids who just – I mean, that is a really hard – reality to face mm. if that's your reality why wouldn't you lock yourself in your room with an alternative better reality why wouldn't you do that I mean it's just illogical because children now are brought up scared they grow up in a world where they get bombarded by um, information from 
from the news services that is just thrown at them constantly. They are facing problems that they can't fix. I mean, all it is is just news coming in from all over and it's bombarding these poor kids and they feel hopeless. You know, a lot of kids, a lot of kids now um, are depressed because of the world that they live in, because of the world that we created for them. I mean, you can get get news 24-7 now and most of it is shit that you can't sort out, you can't fix. Like... We get yeah. we got fires from Sydney. We get um, COVID from America. We get pumped with all this horrible, horrible, horrific stuff that's happening that we can do nothing about. Now imagine, I mean, I feel hopeless about stuff like that. Imagine a child exposed to that. So I can see why they would lock themselves in their rooms. You know, I. My issue is you have to connect with your children. You have to be there so that and talk to them about everything, like anything, and listen to them talk to you. And you've got to listen to them. And a lot of people, they are just under so much stress to put food on the table and pay the bills. They just don't have the time. And so there are big gaps where kids are basically looking after themselves. Yeah, I see what you mean. So the there's a breakdown in the family, breakdown in communication with their parents. Is that what yeah. you're trying to say? Yeah, totally. I, totally. Yeah, I mean, I I used to, you know, be very career orientated with my older children because my older children are now in their late 30s and my youngest son is 26. You know, there's a huge difference between my older children and my youngest son because I stopped working to look after my youngest son. And when I was working to look after my older children, because I was a solo parent most of the time, um, I had to work really, really long hours and I hardly saw my kids. I had other people looking after them and I had no real connection with them apart from being angry because I was so knackered and they were going, mum, mum, where's dinner? You know, and I was just tired all the time. But with my younger son, I was at home with him the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and we have a very different relationship. So, um, but New Zealand society and the world society is now designed around people having to make money. Um, the family used, you know, back when I was a kid, most women didn't work and so that they could look after their kids. And that's just not the world that I'm living in right now. So, you know, you've got a whole generation of kids who's both their parents work. You know, not that I'm saying, you know, not that I'm saying, you know what I mean. Yeah, (laughs) like you're not like uh, bashing them or blaming them or anything. You're just just stating the facts. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of the symptoms of the way that our societies move more towards uh, capitalism, making lots of money, all that sort of thing, you know, the emphasis that we have on success in certain models. I mean, what is success? We're going to look at it that way, you know? Yeah, and, I do what you mean, but how can you measure success? You know, well, you know, it's a bit complicated than just say, oh, you got to have complicated. Therefore, you're successful. I, I know some people that, like, say, from .com, he, he wasn't um, 
how do I put it? He he's successful in his own way. That's what I'm trying to put say. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, success is what success is what you grow up to be conditioned to believe is success. In my family, success is mostly around education. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, around uh, success in business and things like that. Those are very big things in my family. That's because my uh, my parents grew up really, really dirt poor, you know? So they yeah. wanted to make sure that their kids were successful and we wanted to make sure that our kids were successful. But then again, what is success? You know, yeah. because my, my youngest son is a DJ and he's bloody good. He's really amazing at it. But a lot of people look at what he does and think, well, you know, shouldn't he go out and get a real job? And I'm like, well, no, <laughs> because he's an artist. Well, define what a real job is these days because yeah. a YouTuber makes more than the average person. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like millions of dollars. He makes enough money with one gig probably as much money as other people make working for a week. So he, you know what I mean? But he, he works really hard. He, he's, uh, rehearses, you know, every single day, 10 hours a day. And then he does He'll do a gig on the weekend or sometimes he won't, he'll only do one gig in a month, you know, and things like that. But, um, his form of success is getting better at what he does. Just like my form of success is being a better writer. I'm learning all the time, but a lot of people push their kids because they, they're scared that their kids are going to fall by the wayside. They push their kids into things that their kids don't want to do yeah. because it looks more successful. Well, do you think it's based on upbringing? Like, because like you get taught if you go to school, you get a good job, you're going to be successful, that sort of thing. Yeah. I do, but I actually, I have a real problem with the education system in New Zealand. I don't think it works for most kids. It certainly doesn't work for my kids. Um, you know, a lot of kids, a lot of really intelligent, because my husband's a tutor and he goes to uh, colleges around New Zealand and he teaches courses. And yeah. I notice that there are a lot of Māori kids, really bright, brilliant, dropping out at 15. Not in, they're not in the seventh form. I think when my son was at college, my oldest son, he was the only Māori in the seventh form. He was it. Because they're, you know, and there's a lot of things that go into them. A lot of those families uh, that those kids come from really need their kids to go to work and earn money to bring into the home and things like that. I don't know what goes on in those houses, but I know that our education system fails them. Yeah. You know, and the thing with video games, bring it back to video games. Yeah. Video games, like everything else, can become addictive. Like every other thing. Sugar's addictive. Sugar can kill you. Loneliness can kill you. Everything can kill you eventually <laughs> if you have too much of it. And you cannot pull video games out and say, you know, they're wrong because some people – go out and kill people because mm. if those people didn't have weapons, if they didn't have guns, they wouldn't do it, would they? No, they wouldn't. You know, they couldn't. Like those those horrible mass shootings, like that guy who went out crazy in Christchurch and killed all those people, you know? Why did he do it? Was it a video game? I doubt it. 
Yeah. You know, it was hate. Hate made him do that. What makes people hate is fear. Fear makes hate. You know, and this world that we live in is created out of fear. Everything about it is scary now. Yeah. You know, so I look at, I think if we bring it back to the original question about video games, I don't think video games are dangerous. I think they are dangerous to some people, not to everyone. I think for other people, it's like when you decide um, that you're going to have a, you know, you're 13 or 14 or whatever, and you're going to go and sit down at the river and smoke your first joint. You know, you might be in a group of 10 people and nine of those people are fine. They had their first joint. They like it. They don't like it. They don't get a drug problem. But one of those people, as soon as that drug hits their brain, they're going to get addicted, you know, because that's intrinsically addiction is already in that person. See what I mean? I see what you mean. Like, so are you saying it's like genetic or something like that? Yeah. A lot of it, a lot of uh, addiction is genetic. If your parents um, or, you know, just like a lot of mental illness is genetic. Yeah. You know, genetic and environment mental. You could have the gene and it not be triggered. You can have a gene for addiction and it not be triggered. But you're more likely to be a, be a, if one or both your parents or your grandparents or whatever, if they have addiction problems, you are more likely to become addicted. And that could be video games. You could get addicted to that or you could get addicted to cigarettes or alcohol, whatever. An addiction is an addiction and that is way, way, way different from a video game. An addiction to a video game is already a thing that's inside that person. You know, so don't blame, it's like, don't blame the drugs, don't blame the cigarettes, don't blame the bloody people who created that problem. You know, don't blame that person. Yeah, I know what you mean. So I'm I'm a bit biased on this because I'm a gamer and um, video games, so I'm pro-gaming. So blame the person that gave you the drug, blame the person that gave you the video game and the no, that's not what I said. That's what not what I meant. Okay. Blame the society in which you live. Okay. Okay? Because our entire society is based on um, capitalism. Capitalism is about money. It's about making money, right? They yeah. own uh, these games. These games are created to cause addiction in children because children or young peoples, especially young men, their frontal lobes aren't connected properly until their late 20s. You know, if you're 16, 17, 18, your frontal lobe isn't connected. So, you know, planning or control issues, that's all in your frontal lobe. And that's not properly connected until after 25, 26, 27 years old. So all these things that are out there are making money for someone, aren't they? And they are being sold to children or to the parents of children. So yeah. you blame corporations. Don't blame the little guy who just wants his, you know, wants a, a half of quiet when he gets home. Mm. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, 
because they, I think in Japan they would pass a law. Well, they passed a law saying at a certain time uh, they'll cut off your computer, so you can't log back into the game. Mm-hmm. What's your What's your uh, thinking on that? Do you think that will work here in New Zealand or no? Uh, um, if I look at it as a whole, I think you know it's an idea. Yeah. No, but it doesn't it doesn't fix the problem, does it? It doesn't fix the actual problem. The actual problem is the fact that these kids are addicted to the games. Mm. You know? More money needs to there needs to be less going on about um punishing the person who's addicted. I mean, Jesus, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. Yeah. You know? I, okay, turn off. What is that going to do? That's like um, deciding that you're no – I don't know. That's a real hard one. I'm having a hard time with that. Yeah. You know, because it is really difficult because, yeah, it's, to me it's it's a Band-Aid. You know, it's like in the 80s, way before you were born, um, yeah. Ronald Reagan was the president of the United States and his wife had this – uh, she was running this anti-drug program and it was called Just Say No. You know, Just Say No to Drugs. Yeah. And that, you know, that didn't fix the problem, did it? No, it didn't because, but, like, but, years later they found yeah. out it was actually America smuggling in the drugs. Of course and, it was. And giving the cartels guns, so. Yep, totally. And But in places like Finland... They have laws that do where all drugs are not illegal, and they support and nurture the addicts. They have programs for them to get off the drugs, but there are drugs aren't legal, you know, in places okay. like that. And their drug problem has lessened dramatically. So what does that tell you? You know, it's not about. Um, making people victims. It's not about, you know, it's not about victimising the person who's got the the addiction problem. It's about um, helping them with programs and looking after them and giving them alternatives. And that's exactly what I feel about video games. If you don't want your kids to get hung up on video games, well, give them bloody alternatives. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, but don't force them. The problem mm. is we, you know, a lot of parents force their kids to do shit that they don't want to do. You know, have alternatives. When I was a kid, I hated I was not a sports person. I was no good at it. I hated it. And I hate, and I'm a real introvert, so I hate being in groups. But I was forced to play sports. And I was forced to go and do group things that I absolutely hated. And all I had was anxiety the entire time. Find out what issues your children have. Talk to your kids. You know, that's, I'm not saying that people don't talk to their kids. I'm saying that there's not enough hours in the day for a person to be bringing home a wage to support their family and talk to their kids. I see. Well, my idea, uh, maybe sound crazy, but to have like some sort of, because I think they do this in Japan, they all have an internet boot camp or like a, how do I put it? I don't think that's the answer either. I don't know. Uh, where they take 
you and you're not allowed to use your or any electronic device for six weeks or something like that, or so many weeks anyway. Yeah, totally. Oh, my God. What do you think of that? I, I think um, that's a great idea. It gets people out there, gets people to socialise. and I think I you're think totally that. right. But they can come back into yeah. the real world, though. Mm. You know, Do you think I think it's a positive solution or I think it's a fantastic solution, but they have to have ongoing care, un- ongoing pastoral care after it's yeah. finished. You can't have an amazing because this is uh what rehab is, isn't it? Drug rehab, alcohol rehab is removing you, the person who's the addict, from the but they have to make the decision. Yeah. This is the one thing that a lot of people forget is that the, the addict has to make a decision that he doesn't want to or she doesn't want to be an addict anymore. It does not work if you force your kids to do it or if you yeah. force anybody into rehab. It won't work long term. You, The person, whoever is the addict, has to make that decision. And a lot of times they have to be in a really horrible place before they can make that decision. Yeah. You know, they have a lot of things like um, when people do interventions because one of their one of their loved ones has got an addiction problem, so the whole family gets together and intervenes. You know, that might work by confronting that person with the um, with what the sort of damage that they are doing to themselves and to their family. Totally. But it also causes horrendous shame for that person, you know, for the addict, because a lot of what they do, they can't really control. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's a good idea, brilliant, but it has to have ongoing treatment. And they have to pull addiction out of the shadows and make it less shameful because there is nothing shameful about addiction for the addict. It is something they can't control. Yeah. So I think you're right. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, but I would add on, make sure you look after those people out of they get after they get out of boot camp. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Uh counseling or some something on that nature. Yeah, I think and just bringing the whole addiction thing out into the open. You know, it is Addiction is a horrible, horrible thing, but it's even worse if you're ashamed of it. Yeah. You know, because you won't go – if you're ashamed of being an addict, you won't go and get help. And a lot of the, you know, video games, yeah, it's an addiction for some people, and for some people it's just the only enjoyable thing they have in their day. Yeah, the only place they have control. Control and escape. Like they can escape from reality, so so to speak. Totally, it's. I mean, some some people really need to escape for, for an hour, two hours, whatever. I mean, my husband does. My husband plays video. He's a real gamer. Like he's still got his bloody Nintendo stuff. Um, okay. Yeah, and he's been a gamer for years and years and years but it doesn't stop him from having a really good job and doing his job and being really good at what he does. But it, it is his means of con- 
of escape and calming down at the end of the day because he has really stressful days. Yeah. I'm not going to take that away from him. You know, and to some people that could be an addiction. He might be addicted to having to go on, you know, because he loves what he does. That's how you look at it. Yeah, it's exactly what, you know, when do, why do I get a say in, in what makes him happy? Yeah. I was just wondering how long should I do this broadcast for? Um, how to... long? Maybe <laughs> half an hour? Half yeah, an hour. Well, you've already gone over half an hour. Yeah. So pretty much, do you want me to end it here or keep going? It's up to you. I'm, I'm willing to go longer. No, I think we had a really, really good talk. And um, I think, you know, now is a good time to stop. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll end it here. Okay, it was fantastic talking to you, Robert. Thank you for uh, having you on. Okay, thank you. And I will see ya. See ya. Bye-bye.